Hello, this is Dr. Karen Horton from Johns Hopkins. In this lecture, we're going to talk specifically about colonic insufflation. So optimal colonic distension is essential for high-quality virtual colonoscopy exams. You need the colon well distended so you can identify the polyps. Optimal distension will improve detection of lesions on both the 2D and 3D views. A collapsed segment of colon can mimic a colon cancer. A spasm can look identical to an apocor lesion. Under-distended segments can make the folds appear large and more bulbous, and it would be difficult for you to determine whether it's a normal fold or a polyp on a fold. And also, lesions can be missed in under-distended or collapsed segments. You clearly can miss colon cancer or polyps if the colonic segment is not completely distended. So first, when we talk about colonic insufflation, we need to discuss, is glucagon needed? And we'll talk about air versus carbon dioxide for insufflation, and then manual versus electronic. Glucagon is a polypeptide hormone that relaxes smooth muscle in the GI tract. If you're going to give it, most people give 1 milligram sub-Q 10 minutes before the study. Some people would give 0.1 milligrams IV. It's contraindicated in some patients with brittle diabetes, insulinoma, pheochromocytoma, etc. It's controversial, actually, in the literature whether or not it was helpful, and they did use it in most of the Akron patients. In this study from 2002, colonic distension was compared in 74 patients who received glucagon compared to patients who did not receive glucagon, and they felt that the mean distension scores were similar, that the glucagon did not give you any advantage. And in this study by Yi, the use of glucagon did not improve polyp detection on virtual colonoscopy. Glucagon adds a certain invasiveness because it is a subcutaneous or intravenous injection. Also, there are some side effects like hyperglycemia, nausea, etc. It increases the duration of the exam a little bit, especially if you have to put an IV in. It is fairly expensive. At Hopkins, it used to cost $75 for a dose. Overseas, they use buscapan, and they have found that it's effective for improving colonic distension, but it's not approved in the United States. Overall, it's probably not necessary to give glucagon to your patients routinely. If you have a patient who has a lot of spasm or a lot of discomfort, then you may con you know, consider using it in that patient. Air insufflation is inc incredibly important. If you have good insufflated colon, it's easier to interpret. Start with a rectal exam. Usually you would then place a small caliber rectal tube, decide whether or not you want to inflate the rectal balloon. Then your choice is room air versus carbon dioxide and whether you're going to hand insufflate or use a pump. Studies show that there is improved patient comfort with carbon dioxide. Carbon dioxide has higher lipid solubility and higher partial pressure gradient compared to room air. So basically you have increased resorption across the colonic wall and the patient exhales the CO2. So most of the air is being exhaled by the patient. If you're using room air, there's only one way for that air to come out and the patients are very uncomfortable for several hours. If you use carbon dioxide, by the time the patient gets off the table and goes to the bathroom, most of the air is already gone. This was a study using barium enema. So the effect of carbon dioxide and air. So 151 patients were randomized either to room air or automated CO2 using the same device. So the only difference was whether they were getting room air with the device or carbon dioxide with the device. All patients got glucagon. And then they looked at the pain. You can see clinically relevant grades 2 to 4 pain was experienced by 30% of the patients after insufflation with room air compared to only 11% of the patients in which CO2 was used for insufflation. And then also five patients experienced grade four pain after insufflation with room air, but no patients reported severe pain after CO2 insufflation. And also the post-evacuation films confirmed that there was significantly less residual gas in the CO2 group. 
the quality of the radiographs was equal. So that study showed that the CO2 was better than the room air when they were using the pump for both. This study, they compared room air insufflation with with the automated delivery. So 208 patients were randomized either to self-controlled room air, meaning the patient controlled the pumping of air themselves, or the automated pump. And they found that, especially on the supine view, the CO2 offered significantly better distension of the sigmoid descending and transverse colon, and the CO2 was better tolerated than the room air. This was another study comparing the adequacy of colonic distension and patient comfort. So 47 patients received automated CO2, 94% 94 patients received manual CO2. So the only difference, they both got CO2, was whether or not they had the pump. And the automatic CO2 insufflation was found to significantly improve colonic distension. And the most improvement was in the distal colon in the prone position. Here's another study, 36 patients with colon cancer and significant luminal narrowing, and they found that the automated CO2 was safe to use in that patient population. So here's an example of what the pump looks like. And there you can see the pump controls. You set the pump to a certain millimeters of mercury, and it will automatically inflate the colon. And then if the patient loses some air, it will reinflate. Or if there's spasm and the pressure goes up, then it will stop the insufflation until the spasm is relieved. So the electronic insufflator allows the administration of carbon dioxide at a fixed rate, so it's 3 liters per minute, and you, the maximum pressure you can set it at is 25 millimeters of mercury. Typically, 4 to 6 liters of carbon dioxide is used. Disposable tubing with safety features is included to prevent any backflow. So there's no way that you can get contamination of the pump itself. And still, even though you're using the pump, rotating the patient is often helpful to get good colonic distension of all the segments. So how do we do it? We use the pump. We start the patient in the left lateral decubitus position. We do a quick rectal exam, insert the rectal tube, and inflate the balloon to 30 cc's. Drain any fluid out of the tubing. So if some fluid comes back or stool comes back in the tubing, you need to get rid of that. So there's a little bag that you can kind of milk it into. Or otherwise, your pressure measurements won't be, a won't be accurate, and then you won't get good insufflation. We usually set the pressure between 20 and 25 millimeters of mercury, start the pump, and then I watch how much air is going in. When 1.5 liters of air is in, I turn the patient supine and do the topogram. So here's an example of the topogram. On the left, you can see that the descending colon is not well distended, so we waited a couple more minutes. And then on the right, you can see it's better insufflation of the left colon. So you want to check the topogram and make sure that there's air in all parts of the colon. If it's not, then you wait a little longer. So once we take our supine acquisition, we turn the patient prone, keep the tube in, and be careful that it doesn't pull out or get kinked on the way. Then we put two pillows under the patient's chest, not under their stomach, because that will compress the transverse cone and you lose your air. So put two pillows under their chest. They lie prone with their arms out like Superman. Then you do a tope again and make sure all the segments are well distended, and then you do your acquisition in the prone. Then somebody needs to look at both the supine and the prone and make sure you don't have a collapsed segment in both. If you do, let's say the sigmoid is collapsed on both acquisitions, then you need to do a third acquisition, maybe a decube. And then what we do at Hopkins is we turn off the pump, deflate the balloon, remove the tube, and then we do a very limited acquisition through the rectum because sometimes the balloon and the tube will obscure lesions in the lower rectum. So the total volume of carbon dioxide administered varies considerably between 3 and 8 liters. It has to do with difference in the size of the colon, whether or not there's reflux through the ileocecal valve, whether some air is lost during the exam, and then remember you have that continuous colon absorption. 
There are some problems with the pump you need to check. Number one, if things aren't working, make sure that the tube hasn't fallen out or the tube isn't hooked on the table. We had that happen once or kinked under the patient. Or maybe there's fluid or stool plugging up the tube, giving you high pressure measurements so you're not getting good insufflation. And then the, the tube that the pump that we use has an automatic shut off after four liters. So if you need more than four liters, you gotta turn it on again. In very large patients, you know, I've had a couple of very large patients where that 25 millimeters of mercury wasn't enough, so I couldn't get great distension. So you have to convert to manual insufflation in those patients. If you're using room air, it's simpler in a way. It's easier to administer as long as you have the right tubes um, and you have a little balloon that you pump. Usually it's 60 to 80 puffs and it's 20 to 30 cc's per puff. And remember, add air when you're moving the patient from supine to prone or decubit as you want to add extra air. And again, the topograms are very important to get an idea of where the air is, but n it doesn't tell you the whole story because remember, in the topogram, you're only seeing the air kind of floating. There could be a lot of fluid beneath it. Here's an example of the prone image on your left where the transverse column is completely collapsed. It's better distended on the supine image, so you have to be aware of that. The transverse colon, especially, if the patient has a lot of pressure on their stomach or put the balloons under their, uh, sorry, put the pillows under their stomach, they'll collapse the transverse colon. If that happens, you may need to do another acquisition. As I mentioned, the tube in the balloon could obscure lesions in the bottom of the rectum, so you have to be very careful. There are different tubes and different balloons available, whether you're using the pump or whether you're using manual insufflation. So find the tube that works well for you and use it appropriately. So this is an article showing that you can miss a polyp or a mass in the lower part of the rectum obscured by a caliber, even a small caliber rectal catheter or a balloon. So how we do it, as I mentioned, is that once we finish the prone and supine acquisition, we deflate the balloon and remove the tube and just do a limited acquisition through the lower rectum so we don't miss any lesions there. Other possibilities, I've heard of people don't inflate the balloon at all, but then you're going to lose a lot of air. You might not get a great exam. Or they inflate the balloon on the supine, but deflate it and remove it on the prone, which is also good. But in my experience, once I deflate the balloon, they lose a lot of air, and then the rest of the colon isn't adequately distended. In regards to perforation, there are rare cases of perforation at CTC reported. In this study, 17,000 exams were evaluated. You could see the overall perforation rate was 0.05%, 0.03% symptomatic perforation rate. No difference whether or not there was a balloon. Here's another one, almost 12,000 exams. Only seven patients had perforation. Six of the seven were with the inflated rectal balloon. So there's kind of some uh, discrepancies there. And this is the Perry Pickert. He looked at 21,000. So 11,700 were screening, no perforations. The only perforations they have were in the diagnostic. So those are people with known masses or known strictures. So they only had two perforations, one of which was symptomatic. In summary, optimal colonic distension is essential for a high-quality virtual colonoscopy exam. It has to be well distended on both the prone and supine images. That will make interpretation much easier. Optimal distension will improve detection of lesions on both 2D and 3D views. Carbon dioxide, as I've told you, is probably better than room air, and the pump is probably better than the manual method. Glucagon, as I reviewed, is probably not necessary in most patients. Thank you.